Our message series that we're currently in is called Understanding the End Times. Last Sunday, we talked about wrestling with radical evil. Now, if you ever miss a message, they're available on our website, and you can watch the videos there. And in that message, we saw from God's Word that evil and righteousness are both going to grow during this period of time uh, called the last days. And ultimately, history as we know it is going to end when Jesus Christ returns in the climactic day of the Lord. And that's going to bring salvation to believers, and it's going to bring judgment on unbelievers. Now today we're going to talk about the timing of God. We're going to look a little more closely at the timing of the day of the Lord. Now, biblically, the day of the Lord can refer to several different events. First of all, it can refer to a present judgment on peoples or nations and in this sense, there have been and will be many days of the Lord. In fact, we're going to look at an instance in the Old Testament, which is called the Day of the Lord, which God brought judgment upon Judah. But that was a localized, temporary day of the Lord. And so that has been used many times, that phrase, the Day of the Lord. But there is a way that the Day of the Lord refers to God's final judgment, uh, which cannot be repeated, which is going to come when Jesus comes back again. Now, oftentimes we think of God's intervention in history as something that's going to happen in the future or maybe something that happened way in the past. We read in the Bible days, and oh yeah, that was great. God intervened in history, did a lot of wonderful things. And in the future, Jesus is going to come again and wonderful things are going to happen. But we live here and now, and we're tempted to believe that God is just off there somewhere watching. He's not really active. He's not really doing anything. But really, nothing could be further from the truth. And so today we want to get a better understanding of the timing of the day of the Lord, or the days of the Lord, because God is actively involved in history right now. God is not up there in heaven twiddling His thumbs and just watching. He's actively involved in the affairs of the world. God's judgment, or God's judgments, are being carried out on peoples and nations in one sense right now. How do we know that? Because God's Word shows us what He does in history. And God's Word is there as a record not only of what He did in the past, but of who God is and what He does all throughout history. And so the things that God did in the past, He is continuing to do in the present right now. And so God is intervening in history today in our world with His judgments. How should we respond? And so that's the question we're going to look at this morning. Our passage today is taken from the book of Joel in the Old Testament. Joel was a prophet in the Old Testament. He was a prophet to the nation of Judah. Joel is an easy book to read. It's only three chapters long. It's a very short book, but a very profound book. In the first chapter, we learn that an enormous locust invasion. Anybody know what locusts are? Grasshoppers. Grasshoppers eat things. Locusts eat things. And this enormous locust invasion had devastated the land of Judah. Locusts had come in and covered the land. They'd eaten every green plant. The fields were barren. And what happens in an agricultural society when the locusts eat everything? It's doom and gloom. The animals have nothing to eat. The animals start dying. People have nothing to eat. 
And it's a very, very serious situation. Joel 1.4, the first verse we want to look at. Now these verses are written out in the white page in the middle of your bulletin. I'd encourage you to pull that out. It's got the outline. Uh, they'll also be available on the screens as well. Joel chapter 1, verse 4. It said, What the locust swarm had left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. Sound to me like everything's been eaten up. There's nothing left. All kinds of locusts chowing down. And so the prophet Joel spoke of this invasion of locusts as the day of the Lord. He even spoke of the locusts as being part of God's army. And so this locust invasion in Joel's day was God's judgment on his people in Judah for their sin, for wandering away from God. And so Joel summarizes his description of the locust invasion in Joel 2, verse 11. It says, The Lord thunders at the head of His army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty are those who obey His command. The day of the Lord is great, it is dreadful. Who can endure it? And so this was a day of judgment. And the people of Judah did not know if their nation could continue. Or they were all going to starve if this continued and nothing could, could grow. So how did the people of Judah respond? We're going to find out in a minute. And we're going to also ask the question, are we under God's judgment today? And how should we respond? When God brings judgment, we need to respond correctly to His judgment. And when bad things happen to people today, we need to be able to discern their origin. Bad things can happen for a number of reasons. And how we respond correctly uh, has to do with the origin of the bad things that happen. One possibility is that we may be do, doing everything right. We may be living righteously and we're being persecuted for our faith. And bad things could happen. We see that, well, really, Jesus was crucified on the cross. Did he do anything wrong? No, he was perfect. He was basically being persecuted for being the righteous Son of God. We see that through the book of Acts and other places in the Bible. So the fact that bad things happen to you doesn't necessarily mean that God is judging you. It could be doing, your, doing everything right. And you're being persecuted. That's one possibility. A second possibility is simply that we live in a fallen world. And you go out today and you're driving down the street and you hear a bang and your tire is flat. I'm being persecuted. Well, probably not. Unless somebody shot your tire out. I don't know. Or you might think, I'm under God's judgment. You know, He's making my tires blow. Well, most likely, we just live in a fallen world. This is not a perfect world. We're not living in heaven. Tires get old, there are nails on the road, things happen. And as Christians, we're not exempt from living in a fallen world. Why me, oh God? God will help you get a new tire, okay? He will. And you give thanks to Him for the new tire. So some things, bad things happen just because we live in a fallen world. We don't live in heaven yet. A third possibility is that we're under God's judgment, that God is judging us for some sin that we're living in. Some sin that we have not yet repented of. Some sin that is controlling our lives. And we need God's help to discern 
when bad things happen to us, what is their origin? I've given you three main possibilities. If you discern that bad things are happening because of God's judgment, and God is pretty good at telling us when we're in sin. Anybody ever felt that thing called guilt? We kind of know when we've done something wrong. And we pretty much know if we're continuing to do something wrong and holding God off at a distance. And if bad things are happening to us because of God's judgment, the way to respond correctly is to return to the Lord. You've drifted away from God. You've got into sin. You need to return to the Lord. And this is what the Lord, through the prophet Joel, told the people of Judah in verse 12. It says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. And so God's judgment can come on people when they walk away from the Lord. God's judgment comes on people who have walked away from God into sin. And God's solution for people that are far from God is for the people of Joel's time and for us today to return to the Lord with all our hearts. To repent of our sin. To say, God, I'm sorry. I admit what I'm doing is wrong. I turn away from it. I turn to you in faith. Repent of our sins with godly sorrow. And we can return to the Lord recognizing that He is a God who is compassionate. He is longing for us to return to Him. He's not, he doesn't want to beat us over the head with a two-by-four. He wants us to come back to Him. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He's full of love. And it says He relents from sending calamity. When we repent, when we return to Him, He will stay His hand his hand of judgment, this calamity. And so we must return to the Lord. God says through the prophet Joel in verse 15 that the people of Judah needed to pray together for the mercy of God. He says, Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? And so we see the prophet Joel calling the people of Judah to declare a holy fast, a time of abstaining from food for a period of time so they could come together and seek the Lord, so they could come together as a nation. In other words, the judgment was against the whole nation and the and the returning to the Lord needed to be corporately as a people coming together. The people were to pray together. They were to ask God to, to, spare, to spare them, to spare His people from judgment. They were to pray together for God's mercy. And as we'll see, the people of Judah did follow God's advice. They did come together and God relented from His judgment upon him, upon them. God's judgment does still come today. It can come on individuals who are living away from God in sin. It can come on churches who have wandered from the truth of God's Word, and it does. But today we're going to talk mainly about God's judgment coming against nations, coming against our nation, the 
United States of America. I believe that 9-11 a number of years ago was a warning judgment from God. And when I look at our nation in the years since then, I do not believe that we've returned to the Lord with a whole heart. As Joel here asked that the people return to God. It did not cause our nation to return to God. As a nation, since then we've elected We've elected unrighteous leaders. We've continued to abort babies. We've wallowed in sins, increasing sins of gambling, pornography, homosexuality. And so the judgment of God is sure. It is coming. It is already coming upon our nation. It will increase. And so how should we respond when we live in such a nation? We, as the people of God, need to return to the Lord ourselves. Making sure that we repent of our individual sins as well as the sins of our nation. And we see in the Old Testament the prophets of God repenting for the sins of the nation of Israel, even when they had not personally been involved in those sins. And so we need to identify with our nation and the sins that, they've gone, uh, that have gone down and repent of them. And even though we may not have contributed to some of the decadent sins of our society, we need to look at ourselves and see if we have committed sins of omission. The things we should have done, but didn't do. The people we should have led to the Lord, but we did not. The example we should have set, but we didn't. As we kept quiet and didn't speak when we should have spoken. And so each of us has sins that we need to repent of things that we need to return to the Lord for. I believe the time is getting short. We need to return to the Lord and pray for God's mercy on our own lives and on our nation. I believe the next 12 months is a critical time in our nation. We need to pray with increasing intensity. And as we do, we should expect God's blessing on His people. The wonderful thing about God's Word is, yes, it talks about sin, it talks about judgment, but it's full of hope. It's full of good things in the future if we respond correctly. In Joel's day, as I said, the people of Judah did respond to this prophetic warning by the prophet Joel. They returned to the Lord. They prayed to God for His mercy, and God heard their prayers. He lifted His hand of judgment, and He brought blessing in its place. The locusts retreated the land began to blossom once again. And so people who seek God's face, people who turn to the Lord, turn away from their wicked ways, for those people the Lord gives in abundance. Here's the promises of God. In Joel 2, verse 19 and 24, the Lord will reply to them as they return to the Lord. He says, I am sending you grain, new wine, and oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. Verse 24, the threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. And so the locusts had devoured everything in God's judgment. The grain was gone. There was no new wine. There was no oil. And yet God now promises. He promises the people of Judah, if they return to him, that he would send them enough abundance to satisfy them fully. In fact, their vats would be overflowing with new wine and oil. He would turn their fortunes around. God's abundance would be more than enough. It would be more than enough to meet their own needs. 
so that they would have an excess to be able to help others. When that happened, the people needed to remember to praise the Lord for His blessing. Verse 26, God says, You will have plenty to eat until you are full, and you will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. And so when God blesses, we need to remember to praise His name. We need to remember to give thanks to Him. Too often we cry out to God when we're in calamity and when the calamity passes, when God lifts His hand, we go on our merry way and we forget to thank Him and praise Him. The Bible teaches us that every good gift that we have in life, every good gift comes from God. The fact that you're alive, that you're breathing is a gift from God. The fact that you have clothes to put on your back is a gift from God. The fact that you had a way to get here this morning is a gift from God. The fact that most of us have jobs is a gift from God. The fact that you have a family is a gift from God. The fact that if you're a believer here this morning, that you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is the most wonderful gift from God. And we could go on and on. God works wonders in our lives and we need to have hearts of sanctity hearts of thanksgiving to thank Him and praise Him for His blessings. Of course, this week is what? Thanksgiving. And so we have a great opportunity to give thanks to God. As Christians in America, we still have much to be thankful for. It's not all doom and gloom, yes? Not everything is wonderful in our nation, but we still have many things to be thankful for, many things to give praise to God for. We mentioned many of them. For many in America today, things are tighter perhaps in our lives than they've been in the past, but let's remember this week especially and the weeks after to praise God for His blessings. Even as we see our country move in some ways away from God's ways, God wants His people, His church to be an example. Not simply of complaining, but of giving thanks to a Heavenly Father who loves us, Heavenly Father who wants to bless those who walk in His ways. God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. I want to thank everybody who's participating in our Christmas uh, stockings for inner city children. We've got a number of uh, stockings already returned. Just to reiterate, the stockings need to be returned by next Sunday because we have to get them down to be distributed Uh, the week after next Sunday. But we still have some stockings left. If you haven't picked any up, we'd encourage you to pick them up. There's a sheet uh, giving you information about the things that you can fill the stockings with uh, that would bless the children down there in that area of the city. And so there's still time to pick them up after the service and the table out there. And we'd encourage you to do that if you haven't yet done that. When we bless others, we take the blessing that God has given to us and we bless others, it makes us a candidate for more blessing from God. If we get blessed by God and we just hold it to ourselves, if you were God, would you want to give that person any more blessing? I wouldn't. If God blesses us and we use that blessing to bless others, and God says, hey, I can trust that person. I'm going to bless him some more. 
And then they can bless others again. And the cycle continues. We become channels of the blessing of God. Finally, the prophet Joel teaches us to seek the Lord's Spirit in the last days. Verse 28, he says, And afterward, after all this blessing, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Now, at the beginning of this message series, we saw this verse was quoted by the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And Peter changed this verse very slightly. He said, instead of afterward, he said, and in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. And so we know from Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost that this prophecy applies to the time of the last days, the time in which we live. The time between when Jesus ascended to heaven and when He's going to come again. That is the period of the last days. And so God poured out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost on the, on the early church. He announced that that same Spirit would be available to every believer throughout this period of the last days. And so the power of the Holy Spirit is the blessing of God on those who seek Him. And as the Spirit is poured out, God desires to release prophetic gifts. He says in verse 28, continuing, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so as the world becomes more turbulent, as wickedness increases, we as believers, we need supernatural revelation to carry out the mission of God. Prophecy, dreams, and visions from God are ways that God reveals to His children supernatural information that we could never have figured out with our natural minds. God wants to guide you in wonderful ways as we serve Him in the last days. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, that we are to seek the gifts of the Spirit. Too many people cop out and say, well, if God wants me to have it, He'll give it to me. That doesn't work with salvation. You have to believe in order to be saved. And it doesn't work with spiritual gifts. You must desire and seek them in order to receive them from God. What is the main purpose of the Spirit in the last days? Well, God desires the lost to be saved. Verse 32, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance. As the Lord has said among the survivors, the Lord calls. So why does God send judgment on peoples? Why does He send judgments on nations? Why did He send judgment on Judah in Joel's day? Well, it was a punishment for their sins. But that wasn't the main reason. The primary reason for judgment is so that people wake up and repent. People wake up and turn to God. You'll say, something bad is happening to me. Maybe I should change the way I'm living. That's why judgment comes. And so as God's judgments increase, as I believe they will in these last days, it will give us more and more opportunity to be witnesses for Jesus and to see people say, because people are going to be brought to the point of what's going on. I need God. I need to return to God. And so God wants His church to be a place of deliverance. Deliverance from sin. Deliverance from God's judgment. Deliverance from sickness. Deliverance from bondage of all kinds. A safe haven from the problems and judgments and sin in the world. 
And through the Holy Spirit, we will see increasingly great things happen in our time as we are ready and alert for the final day of the Lord. Verse 30 and 31, also quoted in Acts 2. God says, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And so even though there have been and will be many smaller days of the Lord in which God's judgment falls, there's going to be a final great and terrible day of the Lord. That will be the time when Jesus returns. We talked about it last Sunday. We don't know when that day is going to come. It could come at any time. The Bible tells us and warns us it's imminent. And Jesus repeatedly told his disciples. And through his word, he tells us today, because we as believers are disciples of Jesus Christ. Be alert. Be ready. You don't want to be caught sleeping when Jesus returns. Are we alert? Are we ready? We can be as we do the things that God has spoken to us today through the prophet Joel. Is the church in America ready for the last day's harvest that the prophet Joel is speaking about here? And I would say the answer is no, the church isn't ready. The church in America, I describe as being a mile wide and an inch deep. Real repentance and returning to the Lord is rare. Weeping for the state of our country and for lost people is not common. Oftentimes we try to build the kingdom of God through natural means rather than supernatural means. God only builds his kingdom through the divine methods of the spirit and his power. As I said before, I believe we're at a critical time as a nation. We're at a critical time in the metro area of St. Louis, right here in Thanksgiving 2014. Ask God to give you more of a desire for him in your life. Too many so-called Christians just want to get to heaven. That's all I want. Just give me a ticket to heaven and let me live the way I want here on this earth. You can't have Jesus as your Savior without having him as your Lord. The two go hand in hand. In other words, you can't have your sins forgiven, get a free ticket to heaven without following Jesus as your Lord and as your King. That's what he calls people to do, to follow him, not to follow their own way in life. Somebody once said, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. And so we need to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior, being alert and ready for the day of the Lord. I don't know what's going to happen in St. Louis in the next couple of weeks. I don't think anybody knows except God. Whatever happens, let's respond to God. Let's be in prayer for our community. Let's be in prayer for this area. Let's seek God. And what is the most important thing? That the events that happen would draw people to Jesus Christ. I'm not so concerned about how many stores get burnt down. I don't wish for that to happen. But I want people's hearts to turn to Jesus Christ. 
And if that takes some judgment, then God knows what He's doing. But we respond to God's judgment by turning to the Lord in prayer as His people, as His church, praying for God's mercy on our lives, on our church, on our nation, on this area. And we live a life of thanksgiving. A life of joy. A life of praise to God for the things that He has blessed us with. We live lives as an example to others of what walking with God can truly bring. Seek God's Spirit and the Spirit's gifts in these last days. We need to hear from God. We need to know God's direction in our time. We need to know God's leading in these last days to carry out the plans and purposes that God has for us. I believe the things that are going to come on America in the days ahead have been planned by God to open the door for us to lead many people to be saved. They're going to open doors of opportunity to share the gospel. So let's be ready. Ask God to prepare you and empower you to be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. There's much to do before the King returns. So to be saved, as we talked about, we need to commit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Today, if you're not sure that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity. We already talked about how that happens. You admit that you've done wrong things, that you've sinned. You put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, committing yourself to following Him all the days of your life. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. And this is an opportunity to either commit your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time or to recommit your life to Him if you've wandered away, to return to the Lord. Father, today we admit, we admit that we've done wrong things. We've sinned. We've gone our own way. We've wandered from You. Please forgive us. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, took my sins upon Himself that I might be forgiven. I believe He lives, rose from the dead and lives today. I commit my life to following Him as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.